I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hello. I'm going to kick this off. Oh. No, keep going. No, you're, do you want to say anything else? Well, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this episode is, uh, well, hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Kate. Oh, well, I have an, another intro that I would. Oh. Well, we're going to keep talking. Okay, you should have told me what your plan was before we started No, recording. but I just, this just popped in my head, so this is what we're going to do. Okay. How's it going? Good. Great. Is there anything else? No. Well, before we dive into the content of the show, just let's do... If there's any catch-up items or anything I would like about? to move right to the episode because today is a really exciting day okay no nonsense people all right so today I would like to introduce our guest that's on the show today who's also one of the co-hosts her name is Kate Northrup she's an entrepreneur who supports ambitious women to light up the world without burning themselves out in the process she is the founder and CEO of origin collective a membership where women all over the world gather to achieve more while doing less her first book money a love story has been published in five languages kate lives with her husband that's me mike and business partner and their two daughters ruby and penelope in maine you can find out more at katenorthrop.com welcome to the show kate <laughs> thanks for having and me are, on my podcast <laughs> we are talking about her brand new book that is launching today it's called do less a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. And I would like to say that that really just should be for busy women. And about 99.9% of the book applies to all women and about 80% of it applies to men as well. So yeah. if you're listening and you're not a mom, I just want you to know you are welcome here. You are included. And this conversation is for you as well. So what we thought we would do in celebration of this book launching today, which is so exciting that it's launch day, is just give you kind of a sneak peek behind the scenes of what's in here and some practical tips on achieving more by doing less. And what that actually means. And what that actually means. So what's so interesting and, and the part of the reason I wrote this book is because the when I got pregnant with Penelope, our first daughter, I was suddenly so exhausted and could work only about half the amount of time that I had worked previously. Also during my pregnancy, we took a four week honeymoon and we were traveling a lot. So we worked a lot less that year than we ever had before. And then when Penelope was born, there were just a lot of things going on. It was a pretty emotional, traumatic birth. And then the first year of parenthood was super intense. Penelope was sick. She was not a good sleeper, waking up like every hour. And it was just a really hard year. And we only had about 10 hours a week of childcare. Here's what was so fascinating. So during that time, Mike and I, we work for ourselves. We, are, we run the company. So we didn't have any parental leave. There was no maternity leave or paternity leave. There was no extra income. We needed to keep our results up with a massively contracted amount of time and energy to devote. And what was so interesting is that when we went to our accountant in September after Penelope was born, so a year after she was born, and we realized at that time that our business had remained solid. So even though we had way limited bandwidth during the pregnancy and the first year of parenthood, 
and had worked less, then we actually had the same result. And so I thought to myself, well, if we could get the same result from working like half the amount of time we worked before, what the heck were we doing all those years? <laughs> you know, because I used to work definitely 40 hours a week, if not sometimes more. And before we had kids, we just like kind of worked whenever. And there was a lot of things done last minute. There was a lot of working on weekends. And granted, like there was also a lot of going out to lunch or the movies in the middle of the day. So it's not like we were, you know, glued to our computers all the time by any means. But if you have had a big life change, like having a child or having a parent get sick or, you know, having a divorce or something that really takes up a lot of your bandwidth, you know that when your time and energy get contracted, you actually get more effective. And so I thought, well, we got more effective by accident, but what if we did it on purpose? And what if I looked at how we could codify what we experience so that other people could also have the same experience of having more by doing less, whether that's revenue, joy, fulfillment, presence in your life. And so I wrote Do Less, for that very reason, because I wanted to share what I had learned and then what I've been practicing along with the thousand women in our origin community, our origin membership. So that's kind of what the book is about. And it combines evidence-based strategies with lived experience. And so it's, you know, a lot of people have been like, oh, wow, there's a lot of data in this book. And I'm like, yeah, well, I like data. <laughs> so it's not just like what I think. It's actually what the research shows as well, which I really love being on interviews. And you saying, like data? And saying like, well, the data shows that it makes me feel like, you know, I'm one of those talking heads on TV You're for official. a minute. Yeah. You're an official. Makes me feel smarter. Yeah. Yeah. The mm -hmm. data shows. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, it's, it is helpful because it backs up your theories, right? Which it is does. why data is valuable. Well, and what's so interesting is even though we live in a culture that celebrates working more and more and that, you know, you run into your girlfriend and it's like, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I know. I'm crazy busy, too. And it becomes this conversation about who's busier and whose schedule is crazier. And, and you know, even though that's celebrated as normal and maybe even valiant, the truth is that the data shows that we are more effective when we work less. So I'm not just making this up. This is actually true. In fact, the sweet spot is about 24 to 32 hours of work a week. And really, none of us can focus for more than three to four hours on activities that really move the needle in our businesses or in our work, like creating content or working on a presentation or just like, you know, writing a brief, like things that really require focus. And then the rest of the time. So we have this eight hour work day. And for many people, the actually the average number of hours people work in the United States is 47 hours a week. So we work more than 40 hours a week. But there's a massive diminishing rate of return after about that 24 to 32 hour work week based on, you know, depending on who you are. And so that means we are wasting a ton of time just sitting at computers, not getting results. And so what this book is about is shifting your mindset from logging hours to logging results, because we can get a lot more done in a lot less time if we start to think about what's actually the highest and best use of our time, when is the best time to schedule certain things so that we are able to get it done efficiently and in a focused manner, how can we 
reduce distractions. And then as women, how can we live in sync, in concert with our bodies and with the cosmos and with Mother Earth? Because those are the most productive systems. They are really our model for ultimate abundance and ultimate productivity. And yet, one of my favorite quotes is, nature never rushes, yet everything gets done. And that's from Lao Tzu. And so when we follow our natural tendencies as humans, because we are animals, we don't have to rush, but everything gets done. And so this book is a blueprint for living in that way. Nice. Yeah. So should I give some tips? Should I give some takeaways? Yeah, you said you wanted... Yeah, go for it. Okay, great. I just wasn't sure if you had any questions. I do. So you said the average work is 47 hours a week. Yes. Now, has that changed over the last couple decades or is that how it's always been? I do not know. I didn't look at that data. Okay. (laughs) But I did look at at the 49 hour of a work week mark, our physical health starts to decline and our mental health starts to decline. And so that's a really important thing to know is that working more actually really affects our well-being and it's actually pretty problematic. So the average person working full-time in the USA works 47 hours a week and four out of 10 people work 50 or more hours a week, but working 49 hours a week is associated with poor mental health, especially in women. So if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel anxious, if you're depressed, if you're struggling with your mental health, it may very well be because you're working too much. And here's the thing. We assume that if we stop working so much, our results will decrease. But the data actually shows that that's not the case. And our lived experience shows that that is not the case. But it does require you to get pretty ruthless about your boundaries and about how you spend your time. So one of my favorite tips from the book is, and you can actually, when you order the book, by going to katenorthup.com forward slash book, you'll actually get a recorded workshop where I teach the very thing I'm about to talk about. And this is how to apply the 80-20 rule to your life and how to determine the highest and best use of your time. So in the book, this is chapter, which one is it? Chapter, well, it's experiment number four. So after the first five chapters, the book is divided into 14 experiments. So they're relatively small ways that you can practice seeing what happens if you do less in your life. I like to keep things really practical. I want you to get results. I mean, it's lovely to just think about things in theory, but I'm really interested in you getting results. So please, please, please post about your experience tag me at Kate Northrup, use the hashtag do less. I want to hear about your results and I also want to share your results. So you can always email them in to info at katenorthup.com. You can tag me on Instagram. You can send me a direct message, whatever method works for you. But so this is experiment number four, which I call check your vitals. And this is about identifying your vital few, which is a concept I got from Darren Hardy, the publisher of Success Magazine. So your vital few are the things that you and only you can do that are essentially the highest and best use of your time. And when you start to dial in on what your vital few are, you're far less distracted by trying to do all the things. And you'll get better results and you'll be less stressed out. So here's what I recommend doing. Take a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper, draw a line down the middle of it, 
and on one side of the piece of paper, write down your biggest career wins or your biggest business wins. So they could be booking your first client, booking a speaking gig, getting a book deal, being invited on a podcast you're really excited about, growing your list a whole bunch, whatever your wins are. And then on the left-hand side of the paper, write down the tasks that you do on a regular basis. So they could be blogging, being on social media, going to networking events, public speaking, whatever it is, working on your graphics, those sorts of things. So write those all out and then draw a line from the big win on the right-hand side of the paper to the task or activity that actually directly resulted in that big win. And once you're done with that, you will have about 20% of the tasks and activities on the left-hand side that actually have a line drawn to them to the right-hand side. And those are your 20%. When I did this exercise, I was so blown away because what I realized is my 20% was creating content. So I only have a vital two. I don't have a vital few. My vital two are creating content and connecting with people. And what was so cool about this exercise when I did it is that, and by the way, this is Pareto's principle that 80% of your results will be caused by 20% of your actions. I think I made that clear, but just to make sure. What I found when I did it is that many of my big wins had been created by networking, going to lunch with people, showing up live at events, building relationships. And I had spent most of my 20s in New York City doing that. And I honestly had really had this guilt hangover feeling like, what was I doing? I was just like flitting around meeting people. But when I looked and I actually analyzed where my biggest wins came from, where I got my results, a lot of them were directly related to having built those relationships and having nurtured those relationships. And so what's so cool about that is then moving forward, I've created more time in my schedule for connecting with people. Whereas before I was feeling bad about it because I enjoy it so much. So there's that programming that we have in our culture that if something feels super joyful, then somehow it shouldn't be a good use of our time, right? There's this idea that suffering buys us something and that work should feel bad. I don't know what that's about, but that's just like something that we kind of have hanging out in the ether in our conversations around work. And so do that 80-20 exercise. I have a handout for it that goes along with it when you go to katenorthup.com forward slash book and buy the book, you'll get one of the things you'll get is a workshop on exactly how to go through that exercise for yourself. And then you also get a boundary setting workshop and two interviews, one with Dr. Shafali Sabari and one with Latham Thomas. So that's one practical step that you can take right away. What, I mean, being unhappy at work is just, it's passed down, right? Like we watch people go into a job or situation that they're unhappy about and they just stick with it, right? And so then, or could be from our parents that are unhappy with it that didn't make a career shift and so we think about work has to be this miserable place but it also is where we spend most of our time you know in our life where the majority of it so we might as well do something that we enjoy absolutely and we'll be having laura garnett our friend who wrote the book the genius habit on an upcoming episode so you can listen in to that episode to get some more practical tips about how to make your work more joyful and more purposeful Another thing that I really like to talk about that's really helpful is, this is experiment number seven. This is simplification, to, so to simplify. So I had asked our origin community for ways they had simplified their life in order to save time and save money. And I got some really great examples and they're in the book, but I wanted to highlight one, which was from our friend, Sarah Kathleen Peck, who 
has been on the podcast before. Her episode was about how she cut her work week down to 20 hours and she's amazing and she runs startup pregnant so she talked about how she simplified her life from a clothing and kind of like styling perspective so she only gets her haircut once a year she cut it down to she only has three pairs of shoes she has a pair of flip-flops she has a pair of running shoes and she has a pair of casual shoes and she and her husband both cut down their wardrobe in half so they could fit all of their clothes in one small closet in Brooklyn and one dresser because that's what they had room for. And what she noticed is that in her life, because belongings require management, like, and oh, and she just doesn't wear anything that requires dry cleaning. So she just like cut these things out of her life that she just doesn't do because they add complications and it has saved her a lot of time so that she can be really focused on the things that move the needle and she realized having like 15 pairs of shoes was not something in her life that was getting her really great results so I love that example I mean other examples something that we've done in our life to simplify or that I do and this is this is a silly one but to me it makes a big difference like I only have one handbag like I have a purse and I carry it all four seasons and I don't switch purses particularly for like different activities or different events or different seasons. And to me, that really simplifies because when I'm walking out the door, I have the one bag that I grab and then we have another bag that I'll bring in addition if I'm going out with the girls. So let's say we're going out to brunch or something. I have a bag that's pre-packed that has snacks, a bib, diapers, change of clothes, and a few toys. So I've got my purse and then the brunch bag. I call it the brunch bag, even though I'm not always going to brunch when I take it with me. And that's been immensely helpful because what I used to do is I used to keep switching my wallet and my little packet of things that I take with me from my diaper bag to my purse. And I would always end up either with the diaper bag out without my wallet or with my purse and realizing my wallet and my stuff was still in the diaper bag. And it made life really complicated and it stressed me out because half the time I was somewhere and had no way to pay for things. And so that's a simplification that I've done that has helped me just save a lot of time and energy and stress. So what's your recommendation for like a mom who is a single mother, right? That's working two or three jobs, you know, and already is putting in 50 hours a week. Yep. And it's like, I don't, how, how not can you even simplify? able to, yeah, I, I, where do I start? Absolutely. So something that I recommend no matter who you are and no matter what situation you're in is to look at where are the biggest stress points of your day. So for us in the morning, I'll speak for myself, for me in the morning, the morning, let's say I'm saying it right now, the morning tends to be one of my more stressful times of the day. And so I would look at, okay, my one girlfriend with three kids, for example, she has her kids all sleep in the clothes that they're wearing to daycare the next morning. So she has simplified at our house. I will tell you the getting dressed routine with our three and a half year old is painful. <laughs> and I'm always wanting to rush her along, even though at the same time, I'm trying to let be like, okay, this is life. Your life is happening right now. Like just be here in the moment with her, but it's hard, you know, it's hard and painful to watch a three and a half year old pick out pants. So what I recommend is looking for those pain points throughout the day and just asking, you know, I'm sure that you've heard the quote, the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our questions. So ask yourself, what is a way that I could simplify this pain point area of my day? If it's packing your kids lunches, is there a way that after dinner, you could just put the leftovers in containers and have it ready to go? so that the morning is less stressful could you instead of 
you know, having just this is like, again, silly examples, but this is our lives, right? Our lives are made up by like the little minutia. So could you have a coffee pot that you can set the timer so it actually bruise the coffee so that when you walk downstairs the coffee is brewed like i know my coffee routine is a whole rigmarole because i do the french press and it's like a whole thing and like and then it's like a whole thing and and i would save myself a lot of time and energy if i had a pre-programmed coffee pot or the keurig although i don't like the keurig because of the wasted plastic every day but anyway yeah but we have a coffee pot i know but you can't pre-program it but i could fill it all up and be ready to go and just literally press the button when i come downstairs yeah so these are the sorts of things that we can begin to ask ourselves do you think your morning routine stresses yourself out some days some days not so here's one way that i have simplified my life and i know that not everyone listening has total control over your schedule so this is just about please listen to what we're saying and then ask how could this apply to me yeah because for an example of what kate was just sharing when it came to with the kids and we can go back to the career thing in a second but i I was watching this show one day and it was a football player it was one of those showtime deals and he had three or four different jobs that he was working he was like 22 and he was expecting to go in the pros and he didn't get drafted and he sits down with his mentor and his, his mentor was like, you're working four jobs, dude. You like sleep in your car. You have, you're so exhausted. Right. And he goes, how much are you making at these places? Like, what's the time you're spending on this? And when the, he said it out loud, he's like, it would be better off if you just slept instead of going to drive all the way out there to do this gig and then come all the way back. Because it's really, it's actually costing you more money when you look at the expense of all of that than it is just to not go to that job. So that's the simplification question, right? Is to really look at, I mean, and this goes back to my first book, Money, A Love Story, but really getting clear on your finances because so often our brain automatically says, well, I have to work this much because I have to make this much money. But when you really look at it, for example, let's say you live in a major metropolitan area and you have a commute, your commute and just going to work is costing you money because you have to buy the gas, you have to buy work clothes, you're often eating lunch out, you have more car maintenance. Like there's a lot of costs that go along with having a job outside the home that you may not be considering because it's just what people do. So the simplification chapter or experiment in this book is really about looking at the areas of your life that you're doing things just because it's what people do versus doing things because it actually makes sense to get the result that you want. You know, that's why I love Sarah's shoe example. Yes, most women just have a lot of shoes, but Sarah was like, well, just because everyone else has a lot of shoes does not mean I need to have a lot of shoes because it's not adding to my quality of life. It's not adding to my quality of work. And in fact, she found that having a lot of shoes was detracting from her quality of life and her quality of work. And it's such a simple example, but can we all minimize the number of shoes that we have? Mm -hmm. Not every single person. I obviously understand there are people in the world who are trying to get a pair of shoes, but so I get that. And a lot of us listening have a lot of shoes. So that's just an example, but look at your life for where are the pain points throughout your day? How could you simplify? How could you streamline? How could you create a system around it? And then also what are the things that you're just doing because people do them that stress you out? And so that's a very do less, it's a do less experiment. How can you simplify something today or something this week? Think about it and write in. I want to know, like post about your simplification because I like one of my favorite accounts to follow online is the home edit. 
on Instagram. I mean, who doesn't love a good before and after of something that was chaotic and then simplified? Mm -hmm. It's so freaking satisfying, which is why we all love the tidying up show and Marie Kondo. So we should start an Instagram account where it says the before, the after, and then five days later. (laughs) So we'll call it the five days later. Well, but I have to say like my t-shirt drawer, I Marie Kondo'd it. And I posted it and right. people wrote snarky comments about like, oh, well, I'd like to see how that looks in a month from now. And yeah. I have to say my t-shirt drawer remains a work of art. Yes. Because once you set up the simplified system, it is easier to right. keep it going than it was to set it up. Like it just creates ease because I know where the t-shirts go. They're in rainbow order. I know which one goes where and I know how to fold them. And there you go. Nice. So. Rainbow order. Yeah. They are color coded. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it makes me really happy when I open the drawer. They're really beautiful. Yeah, I started that and that didn't last, but well, I can always go back. Mm-hmm. I'd be good for that account. <laughs> the before, after, five days later. <laughs> so those are just like a couple of the experiments to look at as you're going through the book. But it's really a book that you're meant to engage with and try out. But none of the experiments are complicated, but they'll all give you great results if you actually do them. And I recommend doing them. This is a great model to go through with a book club where you get together or you go through online and you try the experiments and then you talk about them and share tips. We do have a community on Facebook, the Do Less Experiment group. You're welcome to join that group. And when you go in the book, there's a link to get some extra resources, including a guide to create your own Do Less book club and also a cheat sheet to all the experiments and then also downloads of the planner pages and the tracker pages that are in the book so that you can print them out and then use them in your daily life. And they are the exact printable planning pages that I created for myself based on how I want to manage my time and energy, but mostly manage my energy so that I have more time. So what is your intention with the launch of this book now? Because we have a few minutes left before we have to wrap up on this episode. Like, what's your intention for the launch of Do Less? For for the book itself and then also for... Yeah, let's start with the book itself. So I want to get this book into the hands of as many overwhelmed, overproducing, overworked women as possible because an overworked, exhausted woman is not her most powerful. And the world has taught us that to be busy is to be valuable, but that is not the case. What the world needs us to be is present. And when we are present, we are our most powerful. When we are busy, we are not powerful. And I've learned this from personal experience. We make poor decisions. We're emotionally not as resourced. We're not as good at showing up for people and our ideas aren't as good. And so I want this book in the hands of as many women as possible so that they can become resourced and become more powerful by finding more space in their life without sacrificing their results. And then what is your intention for you around this book launch? just to be continuing to surrender. I mean, I am an anxious person in general. I tend to be a control freak. That's why I teach this stuff because I need it the most of anybody. And so to continue to let go and let this book have her journey. I mean, even just in the weeks moving into the book launch, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so triggered about all the ways I want to control it and all the ways, you know, and just getting nervous and like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And I'm so glad that I have the tools within this book because I keep coming back to, okay, Kate, you cannot launch Do Less by overworking because if you are launching this book while overdoing, you've completely 
cannibalized on the message and it's not in integrity. And so I just keep checking myself and checking myself and going back to surrender and trust and egg wisdom, which is really, there's a chapter in the book about egg wisdom, which is a concept I learned from my mom, Christian Northrup, MD. That sounds weird to say. (laughs) But she talks about that when we act as the egg in our lives, like the egg gets dropped in our bodies. I'm literally talking about ovulation. So the egg gets dropped and then she puts out a pheromone. She puts out a literal message, a signal that tells the sperm where she is. But not only does it tell the sperm where she is, it also speeds up the actually like the tail movement of the sperm. So her energetic signal actually speeds her desire coming to her and then she gets to choose what she lets in or not so she chooses which sperm she accepts and so that to me is about good boundaries and getting clear on our desire and knowing how to say no and then she's actually able to repair the dna of the sperm if there's something wrong with it and so there's this whole biological imprint to teach us how to be how to attract our desires how to magnetize what we want and it's it's within our bodies and we do it every single month. I'm not saying we get pregnant every single month, but it's a metaphor. And so to me, my practice is being the egg and putting out the signal of my desire and trusting that if it is meant for me, it is coming. And what is meant for this book is different than what is meant for me. Like I believe that books come out in the world and they are their own thing, kind of like a child, right? We might have desires for our children, we have dreams for them, but they are who they are. And so my job is to support the life cycle of this book and whatever she wants to be. Hmm. Nice. And then what is your intention for the women that are reading this book? Well, I really already said that, is to be powerful instead of busy. Okay, great. And then how does that change the world? That changes the world because when women are in touch with their voices, when they're in touch with how powerful we are, I really believe that it is women stepping into their full power and then working in partnership with men and all humans, no matter what you identify as, that that is what we really need to heal, whether it's you know our political system, our economic system, our environmental system, We need more of the feminine in leadership, whether it's coming from men or from women or from non-binary people, that's what we need. And so this book helps to unlock that because when you stop being obsessed with being busy, you actually get more powerful because our power comes from stillness and space. Hmm. We'll leave it right there, folks. So go get your copy. It's out today. Go to your local bookstore, go to Amazon. And then go over to katenorthup.com forward slash book so you can get your bonuses, the 80-20 workshop, the boundary setting workshop, and the Maven Masterclass with Dr. Shafali Sabari, who also wrote the foreword to the book, mm-hmm. and Latham Thomas, who is the founder of Own Your Glow. It's on audio. I mean, the author of Own Your Glow. Hard, oh, let's, let's end the podcast. What was it like for you to open up your hardcover book? It was so really there's a, there's special. There's a hardcover, hardcover version, <laughs> audio version. And, and Kindle, Kindle version. version. So let's talk about when you opened up. This is the first time your book's been on hardcover. Yeah. So Money, A Love Story did not have a hardcover release, but Do Less is out in hardcover. And honestly, like it feels really serious. It feels like I wrote a book. Like it didn't really feel like that with Money, A Love Story, I have to be honest. So unwrapping it and opening the book and holding the hardcover book in my hands, it really, it was so emotional because, you know, even though the book is called Do Less, 
I did a lot of work to write it. Like books take a lot of work. They just do. Even if you're doing it in a do less way, it's just, it's a labor of love. And, you know, it required a lot of our family. It required a lot of, you know, the team at, at my publisher and all of the people who have supported it, the team in our company. And so it's just like this representation of, you know, over a year and a half of energy and effort. And it's beautiful. And I'm so proud of this book. And the feedback has already been incredible. So please send yours in. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear how this is landing with you. It's such a great lesson with what you just said about things take longer than we expect. You know, it's like a year and a half from the time you started writing or the time you turned it in. Well, from the time I even like was in conversation with our publisher, it's almost been three years. Yeah. Believe it or not. But from the time I started writing the book, well, it was from the time I started writing, it was two months before I actually turned it in. But then the final manuscript was due. Oh, I, you know what, honey? I can't remember yeah. the timeline. Anyway, it no, took a while. No, it's been a while, right? So <laughs> it's as we are, I mean, I think uh, it's such a coming out with the book of Do Less. It's such a great little just like slow down. You know, we just have just to take a moment. Slow it down. Breathe. Yep. One day at a time, people. One day at a time. One day at a time. Go get your book. I am so excited to tell you that my new book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management, is now out. You can get the book along with a workshop on how to set boundaries and say no and a workshop on how to apply the 80-20 rule to your life so you can get 80% more results with only 20% of the work, plus two Maven masterclasses over at katenorthrop.com forward slash book. And the book is available anywhere books are sold. Get your copy of Do Less.